Northern Books Podcast. Hey everybody, it's me, Jake, and my co-host... Joel. It's Joel. Hi, I'm here. Hey everybody. <laughs> so, uh, today we are going to get down into virtual reality. Oh, is it the 90s again? Yes. Yeah? It is absolutely. Uh, the lawnmower man is in full tilt. Uh, <laughs> we are at the arcades, and we are blowing up tanks. With our VR headsets. Fighting pterodactyls. I don't never... What was that game again? Dactyl Nightmare. Dactyl Nightmare. Get like that sword and... Right. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. There wasn't it there was whole, awesome. It wasn't was there awesome. a whole Daria episode? Not a whole Daria episode, but there's a There was of, a Daria episode. There was an that... infamous one where they're all virtual headsets yeah. on... on where they're uh, at the mall or something. Yes, and, and like omnidirectional yeah. treadmills and there are knights and swords and... They had, like, a nerdy friend. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, sorry for all of you <laughs> quote-unquote millennials that don't remember Daria. Uh, it was an MTV cartoon show. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. Watch oh, hey. It. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Did not know. I like Daria. Yeah, so. it's worth rewatching. It, it still holds up pretty well. It's very 90s, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's you Listen, it's cool now, right? Same thing with virtual reality. <laughs> So, uh, why, Joel, let me ask you a question. Why do you think virtual reality has all of a sudden just kind of sprung forth in this year? Because uh, if everyone who's listening will recall back to our uh, CES episode, they spent a lot of time talking about virtual reality. Yeah, it's like the next big thing. We have t- two, um, two virtual reality headsets were both launched this year, um, back in February and March. It was a... Uh, the Oculus Rift consumer version and the HTC Vive in partnership with Steam. And oh, really? I, that's, that's not. Is that not considered Steam's headset, or is that just? It's HTC's headset, okay. but uh, Steam is the platform. Oh, right. Yeah. All their games are being sold through Steam. Yeah. Whereas Oculus, Oculus is the company. It's owned by Facebook. Now the, the Rift is the headset, and they have their own store. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think. Why they're suddenly available, why it's suddenly a big thing again, yeah. is just the general progress of technology. It's finally affordable to make these things. In the, the, to, to put it in the home. Yeah. It's finally affordable to make consumer-grade versions of this. I mean, because virtual reality has been, you know, in military hardware for, right. like, military research and... and uh, simulations. Yeah, simulations yeah. For, for decades. But the lenses and the uh, processors and everything they used in them very very expensive like hundreds of thousands of dollars put into these things or huge yeah like the headset had to be enormous and uncomfortable it's not really (laughs) viable for a consumer to (laughs) set up in their home so basically with with smartphones um a lot of the parts used to build these things are off-the-shelf smartphone components oh yeah um Basically, really? yeah. The okay. uh, screens in there are Samsung screens, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so straight off of a phone. Yeah, that, I mean, it all started uh, about four years ago, I'd say, okay. three or four years ago. Um, There's this kid named Palmer Lucky, and he Wait, was Palmer Lucky. Palmer Lucky. He That's was probably seventeen name. at the time because he's only uh. about twenty-one or twenty-two now. There, um, that's insane. Because at seventeen, I was like. <laughs> In musicals in high school, I wasn't creating tech companies, so that's nuts. Well, this, super, this super genius kid, is he a super genius? I, he's just a, he was just a hobbyist, I think. Who hmm. had a he was obsessed with a virtual reality, like the '90s style. Like he, he was collecting <laughs> old headsets and things like that, and he just started playing around with smartphone components and trying huh. to get it, trying to get a headset to work. Um, he was oh. posting on a forum um, asking for some advice on. You know, trying to get this particular headset that he had put together with duct tape and smartphone le- and uh, fabrication is yeah. whatever you can find. Three D so. printed parts yeah. and uh, duct tape and it's, you do foam. what you gotta do. Yeah, yeah foam and cardboard. Probably like lenses from like a, a eyeglass maker or something or a <laughs> telescope. You, you, I yeah, guess you, you figure it out. Yeah, when you're fabricating. So yeah, he was posting on this forum and. Uh, it got picked up by John Carmack, who saw this conversation and then started helping him out with this. 
I if you don't know, know who John Carmack yeah, is. Yeah, I only know him from one thing. Uh, John is... Carmack is the creator of Doom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was a programmer in the 90s at id Software. Yep. Most famous for creating the cult classic, classic like, video game yeah, Doom. Yeah, Doom and... I, I think, think he also worked on Quake and, and uh, Castle Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Yeah. yeah. Which Wolfenstein are... 3D. Yeah, you're right, of course. <laughs> Not Castle Wolf. Well, it's like... Castle Wolfenstein, I don't even know if that's the proper term. I think it was just Wolfenstein 3D back then. And uh, I love those games. So, And I remember playing Quake in high school in the late 90s. By that time, it was actually considered like super old. Yeah, I mean, Um, (laughs) Quake 3, I think, was out by then. Yes, Quake, Quake 3 was either out or was coming very quickly. Is that Quake 3 Arena? or Yeah, it would yeah. be Quake 3 Arena. Yeah, which I was remember in, playing that, too. I played a lot of it in, <laughs> co- in college, specifically, because none of us had good computers because we had no money, uh, and Quake 3 ran really, really well, and I played a lot of it at LAN parties, and I got pretty good. See, I was playing a lot of... Um, do you remember Unreal Tournament? I oh, also yeah. played a lot of Unreal, Unreal Tournament. Unreal Tournament 2, I think, was probably my most played of the old school shooters it's really interesting that someone who created essentially a genre of first person from the view of that person then kind of went on to create what it will essentially be the next evolution in that sort of gameplay which is well instead of having a screen where you are the first person view you will literally be the first person view yeah from your eyes so what yeah what's amazing about the the modern incarnation of vr headsets is incredibly low latency like you you move your head and it's instantaneous like you you can look around you're actually transported into into the space you are you are in that game area (laughs) or you're in that virtual environment (laughs) Yeah, so so after Palmer Lucky met up with John Carmack and they started working on this project together, uh, they started a Kickstarter, which is the the craze That's, for the past is, couple years. That is how a lot that of is stuff how things get gets, done. Gets made nowadays. I have, I think, I'm only waiting on two Kickstarters right now. <laughs> uh, I've never actually given money to a Kickstarter, really? but I've done it about four or five times. In retrospect, I wish I had backed the original oculus rift kickstarter yeah for for what they were asking for was like Um, what 300 300 or 350 would get you one of their original development kits yeah which they manufactured with 3d printing and right they're not great but then people have figured out how to mod them and and make them a little stouter they weren't great but they were the first that actually showed that this can be done and this works right yeah now those initial development kits uh it's funny, they had no way, no head tracking in it. All the all the tracking was done with, you know, gyroscopic sensors, things that are in your smartphone. So it wasn't one-to-one accurate. Yeah, it's not perfect for often causes motion sickness. <laughs> like so like you'll move your head and it won't move at the same speed on the screen. Yeah, it's like, not a not a one-to-one is really important for creating that illusion. And if you don't have that illusion but you're surrounded by uh, a kind of laggy, shifting view. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that's kind of how a lot of people get motion sickness, actually. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's almost like a motion sickness machine, <laughs> is what I've heard. But for some people, some people it doesn't affect them at all. They're able to make that cognitive jump to what's going on. But yeah, I think if... I guess if I had to have own a machine that was going to make me sick to my stomach, I would rather pay the extra money to not feel that feeling. <laughs> well, you know, they were still trying to work out all the kinks. And, right, and, and they motion were sickness. <laughs> motion sickness is still a big problem with modern virtual reality headsets, particularly when it comes to locomotion. Oh, moving right. around. Yeah. You know, so you picture like playing a game using a controller and that kind of movement. It's got to create some cognitive yeah. dissonance. Especially in first person. It's not as bad in third person. Right. Where you're kind of in like a, I don't know, I like call a, it a god view or yeah, over the like shoulder over the camera shoulder, view. You're like, a, you're like a floating camera at that point where yeah. you're just kind of moving the person around. And yeah, it's like, imagine like looking over at a tabletop board game and like being able to move the pieces around. Yeah. Like, that's that doesn't cause motion sickness, but it's when you're actually in first person and you start moving around. It's like... It's rough. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's why we've been seeing more technology come to create kind of a virtual space for you to play in. Because uh, right now, there's no, there's no good way f- to fully immerse you. So I think we could probably jump into kind of what's, what, what's the big dogs right now. Obviously the Oculus, because we've been talking about it for so much. Yeah, the Oculus Rift uh, is the first one that was to market. Um, it's the, but it was very close on the heels with the HTC Vive, which was a partnership between HTC, the phone manufacturing company, and uh, Steam, uh, which is owned by a company called Valve. Now, what's interesting about the history of the Vive, how it came to be, after Oculus had its successful Kickstarter, I mean, they sent development kits to everywhere. I mean, people at Steam were backers for the Rift. Right, they were were using them. And they were all... I've seen people using the Oculus uh, headset developer kits for ages. I just don't know anyone that owned one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been on the floating around for the last three years. And I keep saying Steam, but really it's Valve. Steam is a product that Valve, Valve makes. Owns. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steam is a gaming platform. If you're not familiar with it, it allows the... you to download and purchase video games online. Yeah. Valve is a company most famous for creating Half Life, uh, which is a popular video game series. And then they wanted their own digital distribution, so they started Steam, and now that's their that's their yeah. moneymaker. They don't really make video games anymore much. They've made... Every once in a while, they might do well, they... like a Left 4 Dead or something. Yeah, but... <laughs> they, they haven't really done anything lately. Um, Blizzard and um, some other companies have been making some pretty popular games that you can purchase through their platform, <laughs> but Valve really doesn't even need to make games anymore. Yeah, Valve makes hats for Team Fortress characters. Right. They, and they and make skins money. for <laughs> Counter-Strike Go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our global offensive. Well, anyway, Valve, I guess, was uh, experimenting with virtual reality at the exact same time. And so they helped back the uh, Kickstarter um, for the Rift. And they invited Palmer Lucky and his team out to Valve Studios and showed them their prototypes. And so this is where they got the idea for um, head tracking, which solves the main issue of... Um, basically um, right. getting so, sick of, right, of for the motion one-to-one. sickness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Valve was the one who came up with that? Yeah, I Valve did that. the first... Uh, they had basically a room with QR codes all on the wall, huh. and they had a camera stuck to their headset, which could read the QR codes and do a direct positional track. Oh, that makes more room. sense, yes. Um, okay. And this was Valve's idea. Uh, you know, you're not going to have a room and cover it with QR codes. No, for that's, that's unreasonable, but it's a, it's a test of uh, a proof of concept. Yeah, it's a proof of concept, but what they did was they reversed the tracking. Yeah. So they put the tracking, um, I guess they're using LEDs and things like that, yeah. on the headset. I've heard that. And then they use a camera or a laser base station that can detect where the headset is at all times. Yeah, and two, this is what right, Valve came up with. Two cameras that are are using so. the the lights on them to track the 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 position of the lights that are on the headset. <laughs> now, it's interesting because Valve's solution doesn't actually use cameras. It uses a rotating laser that they call a lighthouse, and the mm. laser um picks up the LEDs. Whereas Oculus's uses cameras. Yeah. Um it has two cameras that pick up um the position of the headset. We have yet to hear on how good that is because, uh, well, well, the, well, Oculus only has the one camera right now. Yeah, right now. The two cameras are useful for when you have controllers. Oculus does not yet have motion controllers. It's using right. an Xbox One controller. So at some point, uh, Oculus hired the guy that was working on VR at Valve, and he moved over from Valve to Oculus. Yeah. and. You know, there's rumors that there was bad blood between the two companies after all of this, uh, and so... Well, maybe a little bit. It might be a little overblown. It's hard to say, because this was right around the same time that Facebook bought Oculus. That would maybe make me a little more angry, because <laughs> Facebook's track record with sharing is not strong. Yeah, people weren't happy about this. People that were following it from the Kickstarter days... Um, we're not happy yeah, about that pe- acquisition. People that backed the project. Yeah. But the problem is, is that they got what they wanted. They got their dev kits. So I think that 
before Facebook bought Oculus, Valve was planning on partnering with Oculus and having that be their headset on yes. Steam. Yep. But after Facebook bought Oculus, they started pushing to have their own storefront, which would make them a direct competitor with Valve. Yeah, and Valve doesn't and like that. And so <laughs> Valve partnered with HTC to quickly produce the HTC Vive. Which, frankly, for the last few months has been killing it as far as, I think, as far as at least public opinion is concerned. Oh, yeah. Uh, people were very excited about it because it comes with motion controls, which I guess... Um, and they were really pushing what they call the um, the room scale experience yeah. with virtual reality. So I mentioned those little base stations, the lighthouse base stations that come with the Vive. And they basically scan the whole room so you can have up to like a 15 by 15 area that you can play in and it can detect you inside that area. Now, clearly you need a room to do this in. And a lot of people yep. don't have like a spare room in they their house. They don't. Um, <laughs> there is a special subset of humans on this planet that just happen to have an empty room in their home. And so that has then gets turned into the virtual reality room. It's like a hollow deck almost. <laughs> yeah, at that point it kind of is. Like I can imagine they have like some sort of like pulley system that's holding the wire up above them for the headset <laughs> and then they've got their controllers oh i've seen and... pictures of some people's setups and it's ridiculous right the, interestingly enough I've, i've i listened to a couple different podcasts that are kind of video game related and someone who is in uh the 84 team 84 is a company that does localization for the united states and they're located in japan and so they are, a couple of the people that are on that team are huge fans of 3D. So they've really been working at trying to, uh, or at virtual reality and, and 3D stuff. And so uh, in Japanese homes, there is a room that is supposed to be dedicated to your essentially passed on relatives. And a person, one of the guys on the team had recently purchased this home and he doesn't share the same religious beliefs or cultural beliefs that the Japanese do. So that room that was actually intended as kind of a shrine space has become his 3D room. <laughs> uh, That's interesting. He's yeah. not proud of it, but he's really happy about it. Well, to be fair, <laughs> in, in modern Japanese homes, uh, or like, at least in cities like Tokyo, I don't think they... <laughs> They don't have room for that kind of no, thing. No, yeah. I don't think they're. Uh, I don't think they're in Tokyo. I think they're in the old capital. I think, yeah. if I recall correctly, they're in Kyoto. Kyoto. Um, but I could be wrong about that. I, but I don't think they're actually. I don't think they can afford. Living I'm just in thinking Tokyo. of like the the high rise apartments that everybody lives in in the cities. Oh in Japan. no, 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 like, no, no, they don't have those rooms. No, no, no. no. He like, bought a house. House. Yeah. yeah. So that's... Either way, uh, it was it was interesting to hear that they have found a, and a as someone who is either an American or Canadian in Japan has found that there's already a room in their home that was automatically in there that they could just use for 3D. <laughs> but they're, they, they're a dedicated, dedicated user for virtual reality. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think we'll see more of that uh, as time goes on, too. I, I, I think it's a distinct possibility <laughs> um, until we see, like, full immersion rigs where it's like a tread ball and essentially <laughs> a, a rotating hamster ball a rotating have hamster like a... ball and, and then <laughs> like track like haptic like gloves haptic and... suits I'm, I'm gonna go full haptic suit on this one like a little and, johnny mnemonic uh kind of a johnny mnemonic maybe for those who've, who've read it uh a ready player one full immersion rig why not let, let's just go full matrix like let's just hook it up to our brain yeah and it, you know the what's interesting is that uh that motif has started to show up a lot in science fiction where it just bypasses your your nervous system and goes and like essentially puts your consciousness into a virtual space we are not anywhere close to that. <laughs> yeah right we, now we're just looking at headsets and motion controllers right so that's maybe all if we have a lot of money a science fantasy at this point a uh omnidirectional treadmill or haptic gloves that haptic gloves would be and for those that don't know what we're talking about when we say haptic gloves essentially um haptic feedback uh is when you touch something and it pushes back against you so if you put your hands on the table and you press down you feel that table and it's pushing back against your hands Haptic feedback in gloves would be like you virtually touch a, a, a table and you would feel like you're touching that table. 
So you know like when you use an iPhone and you're typing on the keyboard and it vibrates a little every time you hit a, a button? That's haptic feedback in the phone. It's yeah. trying to simulate actually pressing a button by giving you that little that vibration. Little vibration. Uh, that would just be having that technology in gloves except in a virtual world, basically. Right. Like, so if you pick something up, you kind of you feel that you're holding something. And they've been working on that. Yeah, there there's have, some prototypes yeah, out there. But nothing that's... It's not like with these headsets that are actually... You're able yeah. to purchase this item and have it in your home. That's not That's not capable just yet. So everything's still kind of floaty. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that's interesting... Well, I mean, I guess we can talk a little bit about some of the games that are yeah. available on, uh, on these things. Because realistically, at this point, there haven't been much development beyond kind of social space games and then just game games yeah there's like alt space vr which is this uh vr meeting place that people have events and meetups online you can like watch a movie with people on a giant screen so it's like you're in the same place and you're sharing a social experience in a completely virtual world which is which is cool i mean that's one when you know previous fiction has talked about virtual reality having these sort of social spaces with other users has been talked about for quite a while. I've heard that the avatar creation is not real great. That they're very simplistic. <laughs> not on alt space VR right now. Yeah, yeah I think look... most of the social experiences are still pretty uh, low on the. Yeah, they're pretty ball. rough. Yeah, so it's until hard. we get a new a, a metaverse of some sort. <laughs> well, and it, it, you know it's. When I think of a virtual meeting space, I, I kind of think of that one MMO game. Second Life? Second Life, yeah. I think the creators of Second Life are trying to build a virtual reality Second Life. Like, I'm, uh, why a higher, not? A high-fidelity Second Life. That makes perfect sense to me, because <laughs> that's what they wanted. I mean, in a perfect world, that's what they probably would have made. But the technology was clearly not there when they wanted to, when they came up with this idea. And now that it is, it's been you know over a decade since Half Life or not Half Life, uh, Second Life has been out. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's time. The time is now. So so one of the cooler games that I've seen that's for the HTC Vive is, and this this may sound really really dumb, but it's a uh, mini golf game called I think Cloudlands Mini Golf or something like that. That I mean you're using the motion track controllers, but it's like an insane mini golf course. Like a mini golf course that oh. could never exist in real life. Okay. Like, like it defies physics. Uh, <laughs> like okay. there's portals and you know Right. It's in crazy nuts yeah, science cra- fiction yeah, exactly. kind of situation. And you can play with people. Like you so, you know, you can go and then pass the headset off to the next person and then it's their turn and I mean oh. it's it's a very simple experience. Like the mechanics are very simple. So yeah. But the fact that you can do things that you can't do in real life. Hmm. Um, I've also seen like virtual arcades where it like it's designed like an '80s style arcade with like lots of neon, and you can walk around Ooh. and go up to different arcade games. Oh, that's cool! And then there's also like a pool table, and you can, <laughs> <laughs> like I and um, there's all sorts of games like that. I I see the bigger stuff. I see like this weird kind of exploratory game it's it's more of a, a tech demo than it is a game just called like the lab or the laboratory uh, that's the the demo that comes with the vive yeah I think. and so i see a lot of that and I, I, it seems to hold people's attention quite a bit just to yeah. show off the the technology because they you can do ridiculous stuff in there and i mean it's hard because basically only tech demos exist for this for these things so yeah. far like there's not a lot of full-fledged games there's a lot of people experimenting and seeing what works and yeah. what doesn't there's a lot of like shooting gallery type things where they don't you don't have to move you can just stand in one place while hordes of enemies come at you right that kind of thing yeah so. I've seen one that I thought was interesting as as more of a tech demo than it is a game but also kind of a game where virtually there is you're standing on a an I beam way up high in the sky and at the end of the edge of this I beam there's a baby. And so you have to crawl, like physically crawl <laughs> across this high-rise high construction uh, metal beam to grab the baby, which you do with the, the controllers, and then make your way back across the metal I-beam without falling off. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. There's one that's for the Rift that's uh, 
called The Climb, and it's basically a mountain climbing simulator. Oh, interesting. Um, it doesn't use motion track controllers, though. Like, it's, <laughs> it uses, but apparently it's really cool. Like, you can see your hands in the game, um, but huh. you're actually using an Xbox controller, and you're using, like, the bumpers. To, oh, yeah, yeah, And you have to look, and then you press a button, and your character kind of reaches out and tries to grab it and yep. it's um, yeah mountain climbing you have probably like a cursor that yeah. you that you were like i want to put my hand there and then you would look and then you would say i want to put my hand there yeah and if you hold on to a spot for too long it, there's a little you know right you, like you'll yeah, lose you your have, grip you have and endurance yeah, yeah your hands yeah, exactly. have endurance you can only <laughs> keep them in one spot for so long so. before they get tired I've heard that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that would be neat. Do you play it like on the floor? Do you have to like get physically down on the floor? No, I mean you can sit and oh, just play with the controller. Right, because like, it's just a controller. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're the one who's I don't dictating. know how that would work with track controllers because I feel like you'd just be like, you you'd can't see what I'm doing around. right now, but I'm like raising my hands in the air like I'm climbing something. But it, it was it wouldn't work. It'd be so funny if it's yeah. if you could you have to get on the floor and, and crawl like a baby and that's you climbing, <laughs> that would be really funny. But it would there would be such a cognitive dissonance because you're not you're not feeling the gravity push <laughs> you in the right direction and yet you're traveling up rather than across and it's like you'd be Batman climbing up of the side of a building, but you're actually only walking, <laughs> just like the old TV show. The other thing that's real big is simulators. There's a lot of like cockpit, like racing games because oh, yeah. things that don't require motion, things where you're seated. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, seated experiences. So there's a lot of like like a mech warrior type game. Oh yeah, and... you're riding around like a tank. Yeah, or and a, there's a, a lot big of robot. Like you're flying a spaceship. Um, there's a couple games where you're in a spaceship like flying I mean, around it, doing dog fights and it things makes like sense that. especially for the oculus where they don't have that they don't have the mo- the the sensors to do it just yet with the motion controllers yeah. oculus's controllers motion controllers are supposed to be out before christmas yeah um, so we're dating ourselves a little bit by of but this that's year. That's <laughs> okay but yeah this is 2016 right now yeah right the, now there's no motion controllers for the rift uh but only for the htc vive um, what's interesting about that, uh, the HTC Vive cost $800 at launch, Ugh. and the Oculus Rift cost $600 at launch. So I'm sure the controllers for the Rift will be like $200. <laughs> it'll well, like, it'll they, be like the same amount. Yeah, yeah. They'll, be, they'll cost the same, because it's 200 bucks for what I'm going to assume is the other camera and the motion and controllers. And the controllers, yeah. It's a little pricey uh, for motion controllers, but they're one-to-one motion controllers... Yeah, they're not cheap. I mean, yeah. there's, I think they're wireless. They um, right. Yeah, and uh, they have rechargeable batteries and there's know, there's some tech in there. I'm sure and, yeah. there's probably more. Sensors. There's probably a little haptic feedback in them too. Like, oh yeah, you know. a little vibration. Yeah, and the thing is, is that the the Wiimotes do all of those. From... Yeah, but the Wiimotes aren't one to one. Uh, they're yeah probably not even with the the motion plus. Yeah, it's not. It's <laughs> it's much better. It's closer. Yeah, but yeah, it's not a not a full one to one like it is like I've seen with people playing the Vive or Vive that that looks like it is true one to one. Yeah, it is. Now, both of these headsets are out now, but these aren't the only players on the no, block. No, uh, no, no. The other big one that is on the near horizon is Sony's PlayStation VR. Yeah, <laughs> that's I don't know how I feel about it just because it feels like it's just one more accessory for the PlayStation 4. Well, it's interesting because when you look at the PlayStation 4, and this is, it is an accessory for the PlayStation 4. Yeah. But uh, it makes the design of the PlayStation 4 make a lot more sense in retrospect because those lights on the controllers are designed to work with the VR system. And the PlayStation 4 came out over two years ago. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no like, maybe this is something that they were working on and they they had i mean it's a it's they take the the playstation move controllers yep. which are you know they have the little glow balls on them which um, look ridiculous wands, when you're playing but, it yeah <laughs> but in vr that also brings you that one-to-one movement like right so it uses that tracking system and it has the lights on the headset too so that's how it tracks the headset it uses the single camera setup um, but it's actually supposed to be pretty good for what it is yeah 
It only costs at least listed right now. It's like four hundred. Four hundred bucks. Yeah, which is pretty. pretty it's cheaper. Solid. Yeah, it's cheaper. You need a PlayStation Four. Yeah, but you need a PS Four, uh, and you need the camera. Although they might include that with the headset and then, i think there's a bundle uh, yeah. at least in the u.s that's going to have the camera the headset and the controllers or you can buy them separately if you already have the camera the, and the, and the controllers. controllers i actually have a friend that has the motion control for the ps3 and it's the same either the same it's controllers the same thing, yeah. yeah and he has used it not very often there's like no games for it there, there were, were a couple there was uh the only game that I think I would ever want to play on that was, like, Time Crisis. They made a Time Crisis for the PS3 that used those controls, and it was really good. Nice. But that's it. And that's <laughs> not that does not make for a very good uh, uh, purchase for a lot of people. So, yeah, I've heard that um, that the screens and everything like that and the PlayStation... I mean, they're they're good. It, it's it's a solid headset is what the, the pre-press is out about it. Yeah. Um, and I think that it may actually be the biggest hit out of all three headsets for at least the first year. Because yeah. PlayStation 4 has a much bigger install base than and, a high-end yeah. gaming PC. Yeah, that's something we haven't mentioned. Both the Vive and the Oculus require really, really powerful computers. Yeah. They're not standalone devices. They are still accessories. Yeah. So it takes a lot of money. You Like, you have to spend probably at least... $1,500? Oh, I would say 900 to to a, to a, a grand whatever. at yeah. the very least. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's $1,000. You need, I think, a minimum of a GTX 970 um, oh, okay. graphics card, which is a $300 graphics card. Yeah, it might be cheap. a little cheaper now, but uh, it's, it's a pretty high-end graphics card for yeah. your computer. And other high-end components yeah. uh solid state drives lots of multiple RAM. usb3 ports yeah, yeah. A really solid processor all of these things i'm sure so they add up and so when we're talking about you know the headsets costing 800 that's pretty that's pricey on top of the price of on, a computer to run the software right so really we're saying two thousand dollars roughly <laughs> Rather than, I mean, if we round up, rather than for the PlayStation VR, you're looking at about $800 for the headset and the console. And even then, you can play other PS4 games. There's tons of other PS4 games to play. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) And I'm kind of curious, I don't know if they've stated this or if you've heard this, whether or not you could just use it as like a virtual screen. Yeah, you can. Oh. I think that uh, that's one of the built-in. Like you can sit in your own virtual movie theater and play a normal PlayStation game with the controller. See, that's pretty cool because um, I think that might actually help sell it for not not necessarily the U.S. market because we like our TVs, we have the space for that sort of stuff. But if you look at something like China or Japan, some of the you know, city living is, as we stated before, is they have small spaces. That's why handhelds have been selling really well in those regions, like the the 3DS and yeah. the the Vita is actually still selling pretty well in Japan. Well, it's interesting because you can do that with the Xbox One and the Oculus Rift, also. Oh, they yeah. have that. Uh, really, Oculus has that feature built in that works with the Xbox One, oh, where yeah. it's an in-home streaming thing. So you're still playing it from your computer, but you're streaming it from the Xbox to the computer, and you can play it on a giant screen. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's cool. Except it costs eight hundred dollars, and you still have to have that PC. Yeah. <laughs> and PC gaming, in, at least in Japan, I don't know how it is in China. Or Korea, for that matter. I don't know. In Korea, it's huge. So Korea is probably not going to have a problem with that. But in China and Japan, I don't think it's as much, especially in Japan, just because they don't have the space. Yeah. I mean, the, for a large PC, they would have, they have laptops, they have cell phones, they have amazing cell phones, from what I understand. Uh, and that's just that's the lifestyle. You don't have the the space or the time to really dedicate mm-hmm. to something like that. But the PS4 is still gaining momentum in Japan because a lot of people just recently purchased a PS3. Like, they're really into the PS3 for some reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The PS4 sells much better 
here in the States and in Europe that it doesn't, even in Japan. Because we're ready for a new console, <laughs> and they're not for some <laughs> weird reason. Well, that, and they, they keep making games for the PS3. So that's another problem, is that uh, the, in, the install base is going to be better than these high-end gaming PCs for sure, but there are some regions where maybe this will hopefully sell the PS4, um, just because you don't need a big TV and you get that big gaming experience with the headset. I mean, for me, that's one of those added benefits. Like, yes, you get the VR games, but then you also get kind of your own personal big screen. And while it's nice to play couch co-op or watch people play games, not a lot of a lot of the games are online anyway. People with a lot of spare money. Uh, yeah, hobbyists. I mean, yeah, hobbyists. Uh, I think that what's really going to hit mass appeal is mobile VR in the next couple years. Right. Where and this is actually using your smartphone for virtual reality. Yeah, all those smartphone parts are just straight up getting used on your okay. phone. You may have heard of Google Cardboard. I know we've talked about it before. Yeah, we that's, did. Uh, that's kind of the basic version of what we're talking about here. Like... It's a very low-tech solution. Yeah. It's um, not great. Yeah. But uh, if you look at something like Samsung Gear VR, which is a headset specifically built for Samsung Galaxy phones that runs Oculus software, it's much more high-tech than like a Google Cardboard. Yeah. yeah. No, it's... I mean, they have the benefit of having a unified platform that they can create for... So the headset automatically works with your phone because you bought the right headset because the people who make your phone made that headset. Well, I know with uh, Galaxy S7 pre-orders, they were giving them away, too. Really? Yeah. Oh, right, is a, they're not very expensive, right? They're, they're $100. Bucks. Yeah. yeah. For, I mean, in, in $100 is a lot of money. Don't get us wrong. But it is not not when you're buying yeah now. exactly <laughs> though to be fair the phone is <laughs> yeah so. the phones are very expensive so yeah uh it's contracts and such yeah, yeah. yeah no they're pretty pricey so that's that's neat i mean that at least helps the platform and helps the concept google did announce at uh it's google io convention a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago that uh, they're working on a platform for virtual reality called google daydream which Reading about it, it sounds like it's it's a more unified unified specifications for Android phones to you know similar to how Samsung built this headset specifically for this phone. Google is going to have specifications in Android for people to build to phone manufacturers to build to. Yeah, that would make them daydream ready is what they call it but it's, it's like right for virtual reality it, it the problem with a lot of cell phone manufacturers is that they the reason why there's like specific releases and those are important like you cannot run this particular version of android which has all these extra software features unless your hardware is able to match those software features. So by creating a software standard that requires particular hardware in order to run, they kind of set the bar for what phones are going to need in order to like be able to produce the 3D images properly. And it's, it's, it's going to be a better environment than it is right now. Yeah, I think that mobile virtual reality in the next two years will be much bigger than it is now um right now card google cardboard is still the biggest thing <laughs> i've heard it's neat yeah, I it's, it's fun to play around not, with yeah um, i have for you. about 20 minutes and then and then it gets old yeah i mean i haven't i, I have one i got a, a free star wars one um Ooh, star wars it has an r2d2 like visor on the front oh neat um when the new movie came out last year hmm. uh, i got it as a promotion from verizon um, uh, just, they just sent it to you, or yeah. did you have to sign up for it? 
Yeah, they just sent it to me. Oh, neat. <laughs> uh, hey, whatever. It's uh, check out Google Glass and then go see Star Wars. Did they have like a, a preview or something? There was, was an, a Star Wars app um, that, okay. that uh, you could download that was a virtual Star Wars virtual reality experience type thing that they were pushing. And it was basically 360-degree videos for, for Star oh. Wars that you could unlock. Oh, uh, that's cool. So, like, you could, like, look around uh, and you could see, like, the Millennium Falcon fly over and, you know, things like that. So hmm. it's, like, it's not really an interactive experience, but it's kind of a cinematic experience. Um, and that's another thing. Like, I'm actually more interested in virtual reality, um, not so much for the gaming aspect, even though the gaming aspect's pretty cool, but for things like interactive movies things yeah. like different different art forms experimenting with right it. right a different situation yeah. i know they they recently created that that movie that was all in first person um i can't remember do you know remember what that oh, is i know what you're talking about yeah uh, it's hardcore like henry or hardcore something. harry henry henry <laughs> harry i don't remember. i heard that was it didn't do very to make well. You sick. Right, <laughs> and watching it in a theater. A lot of shaky cam business, yeah. but I think if you were to do that with a three-dimensional camera, and so head positioning and tracking was maybe done with this camera, and you limited I, the, the amount of shaky cam. It the would trick be is, it, it's honestly, it's when the camera is taken over. Like so, when your head mat head movements don't match what's happening on screen, if the, right? That that makes you sick. So yeah. what you're describing would make you sick yeah probably. but what you need is like to be able to go into a room and have it play out around you like a play like so being able to like watch a scene unfurl and then turn oh. around and you know someone walks in the door they walk in behind you you can turn right. around and, and then see everything them come is in and positional it's sound like you're in the and... middle of the scene yeah. so instead of watching the play from the audience you're watching it from the set and we have the technology to do yeah. that we 100% have binaural microphones. If you are a fan of ASMR, you've seen a million of them because everyone who does ASMR videos on YouTube has these <laughs> binaural microphones. Oh, that's one thing. Uh, the Oculus Rift has built-in headphones with 3D spatial sound on it that uh, they specifically built into their API, which means that they have a standard audio that right. you program to that works with their headset that's something that the other headsets do not have and that's pretty important um, i've heard it makes a huge difference i can imagine it probably does because uh, positional sound is more immersive than i mean the ver the visual stuff yes is is a requirement but if you're not hearing the sound move around you you're not going to feel like you're there yeah, yeah and stereo sound you have only two ears so two headphones can do can produce these sounds. There's nothing that that is necessarily special that's required other than how they're recorded and then potentially how it's processed. Yeah. Um the API at least has a standard um so that people have to provide that. Uh it just depends. Yeah. Um but you can go I mean if you look up binaural recordings, that's that kind of 3d positional sound that's important and you can do that with any headphone so uh yeah that's that's gonna be super important and i could see movies being really cool where you're in a corner of the room and you're able to or you're in the middle of it and you're able to feel like you're really there and even even more important still i think is the social aspects like being able to hang out with friends on the other side of the world I've, in a right. shared environment. I've heard yeah. some interesting experiments as of late of people actually keeping long-distance relationships alive through these social virtual games that exist right now. And in some ways, it makes you actually feel like that person is really there, uh, at least for a moment. Like, there's, there's kind of still... You're still able to have that connection even without having the physicality um, that... It, you know, being able to touch the other person. Um, so it, it was on, I think, Kotaku, and one of the writers did this huge kind of fluff write-up. It was fine. It was it was interesting to read it only be, from that, that writer's perspective, uh, just because I, I hadn't really thought about maybe the social implications of being able to do this stuff. What, one of the weirdest things he mentioned is that um, his significant other uh, had tried to change their appearance 
uh, because they chose the wrong avatar. They chose a weird floaty robot, and uh, he ended up, the author, uh, tried creating a just basic kind of goofy cartoon man, and so the robot... Uh, when the, their significant other tried to change the robot into something more appropriate, he felt betrayed and like really didn't like it. Like he had like gotten kind of mad at them for doing that. Like that's not you. <laughs> when I met you in this space, you were that little flying robot. <laughs> um, and that's, it's so it's strange. It's really it is strange, but he was very candid about his feelings in that situation. And in some ways it makes sense because the, the mental attachment that you have to that other significant other, it takes but seconds for you to kind of create that connection. And then you have to kind of start all over again and it just doesn't feel right. So he's like, listen, we're doing this short term and just stay with the robot. <laughs> so it was, it was neat. Yeah, it, that's it strange. Was a, it, was, it was a kind of a feel-good story because they were able to kind of continue with their relationship. And that's... That's hard to begin with, but it was neat to think about the fact that people could potentially connect with each other through virtual spaces like this. Well, and I think you'll see more of that type of thing as time goes on. I actually read an interesting story, too, um, and it was just about women in virtual reality. Because right now, they're a huge minority in this space. Like, Hmm. um, someone was writing, I think, for trying to remember what website that was i'll I'll try and find it and put it in the show notes but uh, it's a it was a good article um someone had gotten an oculus rift right after it launched and was experimenting with alt space vr and i guess um went to one of these meetups on alt space vr and because you when you're talking you use your real voice like it's as you get closer to avatars in alt space VR, that's you can like hear people. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, like it's just like you you walk up to someone and you can start talking to them. Yeah, it creates uh, that that based on how loud you're speaking. Yeah, yeah. If creates... you're far away, you can't hear them as well. Like right. it's like a whisper They're in very the background. Faint but and... like, so when it became clear that there was a woman in their midst, I guess a ton of guys were going up to her avatar and you know being lewd and inappropriate and like. Uh, almost harassing someone out of the space yeah. like making them not feel safe or not feel it, it, it's yeah it's anonymity creating these issues um and then that person having no way to really combat yeah there wasn't yeah i think that was part of it too is at that point there wasn't a lot of tools built into the software where they can like mute people or like block people right um, so it was like getting harassed and not being not being able to do anything other than quit yeah and that sucks i mean it would be very simple to just make someone disappear from your <laughs> from your viewpoint and then at that point then you know just sure they're doing it to you but you don't know what does it matter <laughs> they're blocked you, they could do whatever they want at that point and then yes other people will see it and maybe say something and it doesn't create a very good environment. It shouldn't. It really, no one should be doing anything to anyone in a lewd manner in those spaces and, where it's a shared social space. And that's like that's that's a problem when it comes to anonymity, as you mentioned. It, but it's also a problem when yeah. it comes to you know the tech world in general and the gaming world in general. Also, like it's it's a common issue online yeah and it, it, it'll be interesting to see how humanity humanity in the greater sense um just people kind of change their their social concept of what is appropriate in a space I and mean, that's one thing that kind of came up in that other article like there was no weird you know, there was the person was with their significant other, so there was no like weird hand holding. Or they they did it at one point in time, and they kind of got teased about it because it was awkward for those other people, and kind of had creating kind of uh, public displays of affection around other people, and so it can it can make kind of they had to knock it off because they felt really self conscious <laughs> about it, and I'm like, well, yeah, you're. It's like if you were in public holding hands and some people, any sort of public display of affection weirds them out. So it's... it's That's cool. almost on the person. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it is to some extent. Um, it, but when you're in a, a self-selecting group. Like right. That, yeah. And then when you're in a, a group and they're essentially messing with you the entire time. 
I mean, I've, I've had that happen in MMOs where I was hated out of a space, and it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great for anybody to be to have that done to them. So uh, it was unfortunate that this that they had done that simply because they heard a female voice. <laughs> it's it's going, and that was a group of people. I'm sure that's not across the bar. Everyone that's on these social spaces will do this, but it's real crappy that that was maybe their first experience with this software, and it just doesn't set a very good precedent. Yeah, yeah. I think that. You know, as the user base grows and the tools grow on how to, you know, deal with these types of things. And as, you know, there's going to be a virtual world out there yeah. that is going to develop. There's, the Oasis is coming, my friends. I always prefer the metaverse. I know. But I'm showing my age. No, you're, Though you're I, older than what, me. I'm older than you are. <laughs> I, but I haven't read Snow Crash. So these are uh, two books, I think, if you're interested in, in what virtual reality maybe has to offer, in, at least in fiction. Um, Snow Crash uh, by Neil Stevenson's really good. And then, of course, uh, Ready Player One by Ernest Klein, uh, which will hopefully be, Both of these are being made into movies, which I think is really interesting. I know Ready Player One is actually... Like, they're on... That's it's, a, it's It's being directed by Steven Spielberg. They have the cast put together. They're already working it is, on it. It is yeah. in the pipeline. So Snow Crash is a little floatier, but there is potential. Yeah. Uh, which is which is really weird because it's it's not the earliest. I think it was written ninety two. Yeah, Snow Crash is pretty old. It's a relatively yeah, old book at this point, early nineties. Uh, we'll have to see how that really plays out, and we're, I think we're going to be seeing more and more stuff about virtual reality. I mean, Japan's kind of already, at least in their animation and, and TV, they've already played around with this virtual reality concept. Um, some of the more interesting stuff is like Sword Art Online, which is an anime series um, about people that get stuck in a virtual world and can't get out. So they play around. I mean, that's how they create that that tension in the series yeah. and that if you die in the game, you die in real life. Um, it, yeah, it, it's overly dramatic. and it, But it, it it brings up some interesting social concepts about what virtual spaces may potentially affect humanity with if, depending on how that technology interacts with our bodies and i definitely too in the future see this influencing corporations education like yeah picture you know doing business meetings in a virtual space there's, instead there's, of having to telecommuting to work in a actual you yeah, know you, in a virtual, a virtual space office, yeah as opposed to like i could see this in the future being the this thing is, that actually happens this is exactly how it's described yeah. in ready player one is that yeah. a game was made and that the game was so good as a virtual space it took over everything business religions public spaces if you had the money to have the the a headset, then you had essentially the keys to society, uh, and then everyone else who didn't have that was kind of left locked in, out in the dying earth. <laughs> right? Yeah, you were you were left to die at the side of the road. There's a, l- a little dystopia there, you know. Um, oh yeah, it's not great in, in Ready Player One. There, it is definitely a book about dystopia, and hopefully that's. Not going to be the case, but that that sort of thing even happens today. And like that's part of the reason why libraries are are good because we're one of the few places you can go for free internet. Um, and internet has now by what is it like UNESCO or one of the big global uh, dictating bodies have stated that internet connections are are a human right, uh, which I know sounds crazy, um, but it. it that's you can't get a job practically without the internet well i think we're starting to run out of time here. yeah so any, it's, it's, any final thoughts um i think virtual reality is going to be really good for libraries i know we haven't talked much about libraries and how virtual reality connects to it but uh i think that maker spaces and uh those sorts of environments are really good because you can create things in virtual spaces and then 3d print them yeah um, yeah that's something that we only barely touched on yeah um, there are the, some of these art apps on both on both the htc vive and the um oculus rift and oculus rift has like this sculpting app yeah and they're showing off um i think at one of their upcoming conventions 
people are using, like making a sculpture in a virtual environment and then they're exporting it and 3D printing it and they're giving yeah. away these sculptures that were made in this virtual environment. Yeah, and, and you know we're going to start seeing people doing prototyping work in the virtual space and they're able to reproduce that using 3D printers. So I think for uh, engineering stuff that's going to be really important... I mean, the, the, the makerspace aspects, I think, of 3D or th- virtual 3D, I think, is going to be important. Uh, yeah, I when, it, when it comes to art and additive manufacturing and all sorts of different areas involved with makerspacing spaces, and, yeah. uh, it'll be huge. Well, and then it, potentially media is going to change, um, and distribution of media is, is changing now, but that could cause more changes because, you know, if, if you think a movie takes up a lot of data on a disc, I can't imagine how much data a 3D virtual reality movie is going to take up. It probably won't be on a physical disc anymore. (laughs) It's probably going to either be tied to a service or it's just simply something that's downloaded. Probably a service. The way that the the markets are going now with with streamable stuff, I could see that's the way it's going to (laughs) go. So is this newfound resurgence of virtual reality a fad that people are going to be like, I don't want to wear a stupid headset on my head. Is it going to die like it's, it did in the nineties? I don't, or think, is it here to stick around this time? I don't think it's necessarily going to die this time just because we finally have small enough computers that we can put them in headsets. I think these are the headsets that are going to be the grandpas for the future. They're going to be the giant bulky devices that people laugh at when they, you know, you look at cell phones in the 80s and 90s, they were giant bricks, and now they're these highly thin things that are supercomputers. I mean, I think that's what we're going to get into. Um, I, don't, I can't see us backing out of, of virtual reality now that there are platforms and real manufactured headsets that work. I think that it's going to move quickly, too. I mean, we're going to see iterative upgrades we're going to see higher definition screens 4k screens we're going to see uh eye tracking so and industries across the bar uh religion anywhere you can create a social space medical science engineering any sort of uh any sort of environment where you could need to create something uh theoretical could if you can create the physics perfectly uh, depending on processing power, I think that virtual reality has a real future. I mean, it's the only way they're going to get me on the surface of Mars. So <laughs> I'm I'm on this blue marble for the rest of my life. <laughs> I am definitely not doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Like, we put a camera out in space, being able to put on a headset and look around from that camera would be amazing. Like, in so real time. The future yeah. is pretty bright. Being able to pull up Google Maps on your headset and go anywhere in the world and look around. Yeah. It's a possibility. It's, there's potential. And that's, that's probably the biggest thing is that now, with this stuff, there's a lot of potential. So thanks for staying and sticking with us all the way to the end of the show. This one is a little bit longer. <laughs> um, but this is a topic that we're both clearly pretty excited about. Um, and neither of us have gotten a real great chance at trying. <laughs> so we just hear what other people tell us. Um, but I think uh, a lot of these companies have started to sell through their initial uh, their initial waves of sales. I think we're going to start seeing more of them in stores. So uh, check with your local electronics retailer. And I see looked if they're online there. earlier, and the Oculus Rift is currently available on Amazon. I don't know how quickly it will sell out. But they said they had sixteen of them left. Oh whoa! <laughs> they're probably all gone now. Yeah. <laughs> Even at six hundred dollars, I added it to my birthday wish list. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's great. So thanks everybody uh, for listening. Uh, you can find us on uh, good old Apple's. You can also find us on Google Thing, Play Music. Google Play Music and Apple iTunes. iTunes. I that can't thing. remember that yep. thing. You can listen to us on iTunes uh, or on your favorite podcast app by uh, joining our RSS feed. Uh, and so thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.